may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Yes, the sermon today is about seeds. I want to start, though, with a story about Tony Ash. Most of you know who he was or knew about him. He taught here in Austin at the Institute for Christian Studies at ACU. He preached from Inner Lane. And uh, he talks about growing up unchurched. His mother went once a year, but he never did. He was in public elementary school, and a volunteer came every Tuesday morning, Mrs. Woods. She read stories, some Bible stories. It was the first time that Tony had ever heard Bible stories. Occasionally, she would ask the children to memorize Bible verses. Tony got excited. She would offer awards, and he would win. And he said, when he was talking about this, he still remembers the scriptures that Mrs. Woods taught him. His senior year in high school, he rode the bus to Portland, and a boy sat next to him, another senior, he said, Tony, I drive by your house every day. Uh, How about I give you a ride? Now, Tony had been invited to church, but nobody had ever offered him a ride, and he said yes. After six months, he decided, he went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and after six months, he decided they were singing the invitation song for him. So he went forward. He became a Christian. And again, when Tony was talking about this, he was over 70 years old. On December 9th, 2001, he preached the 50th anniversary of his first sermon. Tony added up all the one-on-one studies, classes at ACU and here, sermons, gospel meetings, and he said, I have stood before audiences and taught the Bible 30,000 times. That came as a result of some seed that was planted by Mrs. Woods, We don't know what church she was a member of, and she probably doesn't remember Tony Ash. On your program, there's an outline of of my uh, lesson, and I want to mention uh, the uh, painting, The Angelus, by Jean-Francois Millet. It was made um, around 1857 to 1859, You see a farm couple working in the field. They have stopped to pray. The seed has been planted. They're harvesting potatoes. The husband holds a wide-brimmed hat against his chest, and his wife has her hands folded in prayer. They're peasants. They wear wooden shoes. And Tony Eslin, a professor and writer, talking about this story, says, yes, they're poor, but they're not destitute. The husband is wiry, broad, angular shoulders. He says, the woman's body suggests fruitfulness, the blessings of children to come. If you can look, you can see a church, steeple, a building in the distance from which a bell calls them to prayer. So the Lord is present in the growth and the fruitfulness of the painting by Malay. 
Well, we are in a series of uh, parables on uh, uh, stories uh, with intent, uh, the parables of Jesus. And last week, Charlie stepped all over my toes with his story about listening to your wife, his sermon. Um, anyway, uh, watch how you hear. Well, the parable of the sower is also in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, which is our, is, is our chapter 4 this morning. The chapter has three parables having to do with seed, the sower, the growing seed, and the mustard seed. I hope everyone now has a sample of what Jesus is talking about. In Mark 4, 26, Jesus says, beginning, Thus, so, the kingdom of God is as if a man casts seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The earth of its own accord bears fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the crop ripens, he puts in the sickle at once, because the harvest has come. All right, I'd now like the communion servers to pass out one more item. An ear of wheat. Now, I only bought 100. We have 98 rows, so there's only one per row. You decide amongst yourselves who gets to keep this uh, uh, visual aid. I would encourage you not to open these bags, um, just in case somebody's got an allergy. But anyone, like everyone, to uh, have a chance to hold it and look at it. All right, now then, on the back of your program, we have an outline, and I'm just going to go right through this. Number one, Jesus' parable is about the advance of God's reign, God's kingdom. These kingdom parables uh, invite us to be a part of it. They're telling what the kingdom is like. God's rule is not static. Number two, the growth of God's kingdom may be compared to the growth of scattered seed. Years ago, uh, Steve Chapman wrote a song uh, about a couple that he knew, and this, he's putting the song in the, uh, the words of the husband. The husband is speaking here. Mary woke up this morning. She was feeling kind of strange. I didn't know what to say to her but I knew what I didn't want to think. I went to work, and I worried all day long. And when I came home in the evening, she was standing in the door. She said, I've been to the doctor, and I found out what all the pain was for. She said, Jim, we're going to have a child. So I took it upon myself to worry about their health, because I knew a thousand things might go wrong. It wasn't long till the Lord sent some wisdom through a friend. There's not a thing you can do. The seed is already planted. Pray and watch it grow, and don't take his care for granted anymore. In the second verse, Well, you know, I've learned a lesson about another kind of seed. When you tell someone the good news, you don't have to stand around and plead. It's in his hands, and the wisdom's still the same. I love the spirit of that song 
we may need to take it with a, a grain of salt because, of course, farming and gardening, of course, there's watering involved, the plowing, weeding, fertilizing, but that's not the point of Jesus' story uh, today. And, and in the same way, if you're telling someone the good news and they have a question or an objection, they're interested in listening, of course, you want to, to respond. But the song fits the parable. The earth produces fruit by itself. The farmer goes to bed and gets up. He doesn't know how it's happening, but it is, apart from anything that he's causing. <clears throat> so, number three, the growing seed represents the dynamic rule of God. God's kingdom is dynamic. It is moving, expanding, progressing, challenging the forces of darkness and changing people's hearts. Which leads to number four. The seed, the word of God, is planted in human hearts. I'm relying here, at least in part, on the parable of the sower, where Jesus explains what that word is. Number five. The growth is powerful. The seed is so small, yet it is infused with the power of the strength and vigor of God. I don't know if, this, if you'll remember this, but uh, the Jedi Master Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back said, Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? Hmm? Or more seriously, the Soviet dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, One word of truth outweighs the whole world. So the seed is powerful. And I love when we say in here, may God bless the reading of his word. Corey Ten Boom was taken by uh, the Nazis with her sister and family, Bet uh, with her sister Betsy and her family to a Nazi concentration camp. Her family all died there, and she talks about her time in Ravensbrück, Germany, and I wanted to read a, a, an excerpt from The Hiding Place. She writes, It grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something else failed to make sense. Something else grew too heavy. Will you carry this too, Lord Jesus? But as the rest of the world grew grew stranger, one thing became increasingly clear, and that was the reason the two of us were here. Why others should suffer, we were not shown. As for us, from morning until lights out, whenever we were not in ranks for roll call, our Bible was the center of an ever-widening circle of help and hope. Like waves, clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered about it, holding out our hearts to its warmth and light. The blacker the night around it us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I would look about us as Betsy read, watching the light leap from face to face. 
more than conquerors. It was not a wish. It was a fact. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute. Poor, hated, hungry. We are more than conquerors. Not we shall be, we are. Life in Ravensbrook took place on two separate levels, mutually impossible. One, the observable external life grew every day more horrible. The other, the life we lived with God grew daily better, truth upon truth, glory upon glory. <clears throat> Its growth is also spontaneous, vigorous. The earth produces of itself. It's built in. It is inexplicable. It is beyond the farmer's understanding. The growth is also natural. We have the seed to the stalk to the mature plant. Okay, here with some pictures. The seed to the stalk. To the ear, to the full grain in the ear. Natural as can be. We're used to it and we don't think much about it. You know, we, we know we say it rains, but of course it's God who sends the rain and it's God who makes the seed grow. Marvelous thing. I, I almost think it's like the supernatural inside the natural. So its growth is powerful, spontaneous, inexplicable, natural, and wondrous. We use the expression, the miracle of life. It's beyond human ingenuity and ability. It's a transformation that takes place. And when you look at another human being, some, you know, I think sometimes that's a walking miracle. All right, at number six, the seed is not produced in a factory, not manufactured at the Samsung plant. The soil, the good earth, the vitality, the spark, the energy, the life, the growth, the increase, and the gathering, the harvesting, the ingathering are all God's gifts. We are beneficiaries. We are receivers of such wonderful things. Number seven. The harvest, the consummation of God's kingship is certain, assured. God's word will not return to him empty. It is inescapable. No one's going to fall through the cracks. It is bountiful. Mark 4, uh, the next parable, the smallest of seeds becomes the greatest of shrubs, greatest of trees, all-encompassing. And finally, bursting with new life. There's so much more that we could say about the kingdom, but at least this, about the seed. Um, it's glorious beyond measure. My wife and I just recently returned from a trip to Sequoia National Park. We saw a tree. The circumference around its base was 70 feet. Amazing what can happen from such a small seed. 
And then, um, number eight, as Mark 4.29 echoes Joel 3.13, I believe the harvest also signifies final judgment. So, salvation, reception, uh, receiving God's receiving for those who accept, and rejection for those who refuse. So, um, I'm going to, to, to start wrapping this up. Living the parable, we may have confidence. The power is not in us. It's in the seed. And so we don't, you know, this counters discouragement. Um, it counters self-trust. If we feel outnumbered. Power is not in us. It's in the seed. It's in the Word. You see the seed springing up all around you. And then number two... Hope. The outcome is certain, and so if we are suffering, if we're unsure, if we're oppressed, we have hope. Number three, gratitude and wonder for the sheer gift of this treasure. The seed, the soil, the springing new life, the growth, the consummation, all this should counter our pride and self-sufficiency. And then number four, purpose. We have a mission. I think here we hear, we, we hear a call to scatter the seed, to proclaim God, God's message, to share the good news. And this, of course, would counter lethargy or inactivity. There are a thousand different ways we can do that. When I was growing up and I would sing that song, Are You Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, Brother? I always, it always put me on a guilt trip. I didn't think I was doing a very good job. But there are many, many ways that you can share the good news. And I wanted to share one of those with you. <clears throat> this is uh, Tucker, just to give you a little background. When my wife and I lived in uh, Sherman, Sherman, Texas, uh, Sandy would babysit a girl named Kelly Prock. Kelly grew up to be a mother, and she has two children, a boy and a girl. The son is seven. His name is Tucker. And on Wednesday, she put this on Facebook. So Tucker decided that he would draw a cross on his brand new Under Armour shirt tonight. When I noticed, I was upset and asked him why he would do that. I was explaining how expensive his shirt was, and then he made my heart drop. He said, Mommy, we are taught to share the gospel. I was just trying to tell people about Jesus. And then she puts three hearts there in the, the text. Instead of being angry, I simply said, You know what, Tuck? You are completely right. I'm proud of you. However, please don't draw on your clothes. Hashtag so proud. Hashtag gospel. Hashtag share Jesus. Hashtag drew pretty good. So, I guess the point, the, the main point I want to make here is that in the kingdom, we have confidence and we have hope because the power is not in us. The power is in the word and we know the harvest is certain. Uh, a, a concluding uh, quotation uh, from the Angelus or about the Angelus from, from Tony Esselin. The earth is fertile, 
And man, with his faithful planting, brings it the more intimately and blessedly into the plan of God. So too, the man and woman, in their fertility, cooperate in bringing into being a new child whose end is to enjoy God's very life. I think implicit in the parable is a call to receive the seed, to believe the message, the story, the truth, to obey the gospel, let the word of God take root and grow, to surrender to Jesus as Lord, and let the Father transform you and make him make you like his son, to repent and be baptized for the full remission of sin, and to receive the gift of his presence now and forever. The invitation is yours as we stand and sing.